And it's lights out, and away we go. Welcome to episode 20 of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. Marco, we made it to 20. Go us. I know. Uh, just another 20 more to go. 20 more to go, and then we'll wrap it up and call it a season. That's it. Uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> all things got to come to an end. Uh, no, in all seriousness, this has been awesome. Um, 20 episodes is a great milestone for us that we're excited about. This will be a pretty quick episode. It's just going to be uh, kind of a preview to the preview, if you will. So we'll go over some recent headlines, things happening in the F1 world, do a driver spotlight on one George Russell, and then a very special story of the F1 archives from Marco talking about a kidnapping, not to give too much away. But mm-hmm. let's get right into it with ooh, let's get right into it with some recent headlines. Um, starting out, Bahrain is set to host the season opener in 2022 with a doubleheader. Uh, thoughts? So, yeah, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix boss said that he would actually like to meet with Lewis. I know we've talked about this before, but Lewis had his big qualms with actually having these races there due to the way they treat the people, uh, a lot of issues regarding Saudi Arabia, and he said that he would like to meet with Lewis. I I think more than the race itself would be love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Yeah, well, I don't know what they would really talk about. Like, hey, all those things that you read, it's not as bad as you think. It's really, yeah, we got it figured out, actually. Like, you should definitely just stop looking into this. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no need for more exploration. Like, I don't, I don't think Lewis is going to come out being like, dang, I didn't really know all about that, uh, actually. Like, this is so informative. I'm all set, and I'm backing 100% Saudi Arabia. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Moving on. So uh, just recently, uh, I believe it was the other day, the FIA sent out a letter to all teams saying that no team personnel can go to the race stewards uninvited or they will be penalized. This is due to the ongoing saga between Toto and Christian and uh, their hit show that I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's the Real Principles of Formula One. Very, very fun reality TV show that they just really bicker back and forth forever. But uh, in seriousness, this is just about another uh, them running to the stewards all last race at the British Grand Prix trying to uh, convey their opinions on whether it was a crash or not, whose fault it was. So uh, just the saga continues. Red Bull seem to have infinite money right now just because Christian Horner is buying people from Mercedes. Um, you know, he's he's obviously shelling out the money. Why not just buy a steward? Have him on a payroll secretly, and, and you don't have to visit the stewards if you have one, you know, on, on your payroll. I mean, there's been plenty of other opportunities uh, in the F1 realm uh, about corruption and uh, scheming. So, I mean, yeah, just why not? I feel like this is just kind of part of the, the norm in the sport. <laughs> Next up, we have Red Bull bringing in a lawyer to probe the Silverstone crash. Uh, A week later, Christian finally admitted it was a racing incident to an extent, but they're still having a sit-down with lawyers uh, to review, where I think they basically got like an F1 version of a summons, saying that they... Someone from the Mercedes team has to be on a video call to review the incident. This is another one I'd love to be a fly on the wall for, just to be like... Obviously, everybody's seen this crash 150 times, you know, like, it's just, what are they going to really get from this? It's just going to be another episode, like you said, of the real principles of Formula One. And uh, I can't, I mean, I can't wait to see what comes out of it. I don't think anything will, but we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see what Christian has to say with, with helmet at his back. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about whether this is more like an insurance argument where it's like hey i think they had to pay almost two million dollars worth of damage on red bull's car and they're just like hey actually like 
it was your fault. You got to kind of pay us with this cap hit. And I know that was kind of a significant amount for them to actually fix that car. So I don't know if it's more of like ramifications being like, hey, you like uh, an insured car would be like, actually, you cause a damage, you pay us. So and it actually affects your cap. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like uh, Christian, you know, was head over heels about getting Lewis in trouble. Then a week later says, hey, you know what? Looking back on it was a real racing incident. And then it was like the next day when this all came out. So I, I don't know why is he so wishy-washy on this situation, but uh, yeah, that's just, it's just part of the, part of the, uh, the, part of the scheme of his, I guess. I think it was, I think he chose his words super carefully to say this was an incident between two of the best racing drivers just to leave some ambiguity there. But yeah, I do I feel like, like I, I mean, I do feel like, uh, you know, he, he maybe not waved a white flag, but at least had the white flag in his hand to be like, you know, may, you know maybe nothing's going to actually come to this. There's not going to be a race ban like Helmet Marco was suggesting for a fucking crash. But, you and know, we'll see. That, and then he takes that freaking white flag and stuffed it back in his pocket and be like, what yeah. a white flag. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Toto has a white flag. Look at him. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, another one. So just recently, Lewis is starting a new charity, and I believe that Mercedes is backing it as well he himself is donating a whopping 20 million euros to empower young underprivileged people to get into the formula one sport i know this is something a topic that he has been discussing a bunch that has come out even recently as well so it's awesome to see you know putting your money where your mouth is you see a lot of celebrities and people just talk about these issues that need to be fixed environmental blah 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 but actually you know putting a significant amount of money creating a charity for you know ongoing change i think is awesome uh, my question to you, I think you've had your you know, your thoughts on Lewis uh, since the beginning of the season. Does this still fit your narrative? I mean, look, rich people start up foundations all the time as tax evasion techniques, basically. <laughs> this, is, this is his it's, tax evasion? Uh, it's not it's tax avoidance, right? He started his right. own foundation. You know who also has a foundation? The Donald Trump Foundation, where he basically just buys art for himself. So, yeah, spare me with the... Oh, you're donating a couple bucks. <laughs> uh, your pride and savior, Lionel Messi, I feel like he's gotten a little bit of trouble, and it wasn't making charities. It was just straight up taking money, right? Is that Am I correct? So, so this is uh, the F1 podcast that we're on right uh, now. You, sorry, sorry. I thought we were on our other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all, in all seriousness, like I obviously have some – some qualms with Lewis, and it does come from him just being probably the best to ever do it, and him winning all the time doesn't make for as exciting of races as I would like. But yeah, dude, like there's, I saw some uh, some people taking what seemed like a serious take of what I was jokingly just saying of like. Uh, not a, not the tax stuff. Like, oh, he's like only twenty million. Like, he has his own clothing line. Like, it's like, dude, okay, just relax. Like, you're really stretching to find ways to hate this guy. So yeah, obviously empowering young underprivileged people i i will say the um the purpose of the charity seemed seemed crazy vague it was like to get people into the sport also to feed hungry people in africa and climate change it's like okay i mean this is just Cover a foundation to fix every problem that we have in the world <laughs> which is great 20 million dollars is maybe a little bit light but for one guy that's it's a great starting point so yeah all kidding aside like Donating twenty million dollars of, of you know of money to to any cause is good, especially to what seems like all the causes is is very honorable. So yeah, does not fit my narrative that he uh, that he is a closeted asshole, but uh, but so be it. Um, and then finally, the last thing that happened in the F one world that we wanted to talk about was somebody, as if Haas doesn't have enough problems, 
Somebody on the Haas social media team thought it'd be a good idea to have a Q&A on Twitter with Nikita Mazepin. So they said, hey, Haas fans, enter your questions, comment on this post, and we'll ask Nikita some of the questions. Whoever was the one fielding those questions and filtering them out for the ones that were either too mean, too contentious, needs a raise because holy shit were some mm-hmm. of these bad. Um, I couldn't, there were thousands of these that I couldn't scroll through all of them, but I did just want to, uh, I did just want to bring up a few and see which ones you liked. So, so what I'd like for you to do is on a five star scale, one being the worst, five being the best in terms of, uh, I would say entertainment quality, um, rate these questions to Nikita Mazepin. We ready? Let's do it. Okay. Um, Nikita, in your opinion, which is easier to get into an F1 seat or a girl's knickers without asking? That's a four. That's <laughs> so this, this is I mean, that's team. a valid question, honestly. I mean, it's, it both seem pretty easy for him. So um, <laughs> this is a two-parter. Someone asked, like, a real question, and then someone had a reply. So the first question was, Nikita, who was your childhood hero? And then the second one was, I'll answer that for him, Bill Cosby. <laughs> I mean, I think that's another four. I think, I mean, you're, you're hitting, like, just near perfect right there. Okay. Uh, hi, Nikita. Are you superstitious? Is there a specific ritual you do on a race day, or do you have any kind of lucky charm with you? And then someone responded, Hey, Nikita, an extension of the above. Do you plan on changing any of those rituals, considering how they're clearly not working? I Actually, I think this might be my favorite with a five, just because it's not the low-hanging fruit that everyone expects to hit. You know, they're just really talking about how, like, hey... You're really just not that good of a racer. <laughs> yeah, really, because you gotta hit them where it hurts, and it's like, hey, you have a job, and you're not good at that job. Yeah, maybe change, maybe change it up just a tad. Yeah. Um, all right, and I think this one is up there with my favorite. Which phone did you use to film your sexual assault? Would you recommend it? The phone. I actually know to not sexually assault people. I just need recommendations on a new phone. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's good. It gets a little. Feel like a little too. Uh, the imagery comes into my head about actually the sexual assault, so that part kind of freaks me out a little bit. I don't like thinking about it and sh- imagining it. So I'm gonna give that a, a two star. Great, I mean, like great joke, but uh, yeah, just ugh, you know, yeah. just watching Nikita like sexually assault person. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, you never want to see that. You never want to see yeah, sexual no. assault captured. I don't want to post it on it. social yeah, media. Yeah, right. I'm just. I'm imagining someone taking a good phone and be like oh this is a great phone really like it oh let's capture this i'm like "Uh, i like the great phone part yeah go to verizon and be like hey how's this uh iphone 12 at capturing sexual assaults (laughs) i've heard i i know one person enjoys it but i don't know how the (laughs) masses actually like this and then finally the one that i thought was the most creative was hey nikita what's your secret do you cover your tires in butter before every race (laughs) <laughs> that's a good one too yeah yeah. a little play on the mezzaspin i like it yeah a little chopper um, yeah, that's good but yeah there were again there were hundreds like uh, probably in the thousands of um just comment after comment one more creative than the next and thoughts and prayers out to that uh admin of the Haas social media account yeah whoever whoever greenlit it one should be reprimanded immediately and if you're Nikita, you know going into this, like, hey, this is probably not going to be okay at the moment. So, like, <laughs> I'd prefer not to. Maybe we should get someone that everyone adores on Haas, which is not me. Right. Like, yeah, you, have an easy, you have an easy second person to use for this, <laughs> and a lot of people, like, would eat this stuff up. You wouldn't see a negative comment there. 
And not then, at like, all. I, yeah, like this guy was probably like having to put give other Haas people access to the chat and be like, yo, just type in really easy questions for us because we're, exactly. like, we're running out. We, we only have negative fucked up ones. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's transition sectors from the recent headlines into our driver spotlight. We thought with all of the news happening and not happening really um, with the George Russell Mercedes move that it would be only appropriate to look into George Russell's life, take a little bit of a deeper dive. Someone who still has a lot to prove in F1, but uh, is super beloved, you know, not just by English fans, it feels like, but just by everybody um, who's excited about the new generation coming in. So talked about why, like, where is this love coming from? You know, that, that's not just English F1 fans. You know, what what suggests that he's as dominant as people think he is? So let's get into it. So starting quickly on just his background, he was born in Norfolk, England, started karting when he was seven, which was back in 2006. Parents and family members and sponsors actually immediately saw his talent, his ability to stick to a racing line when appropriate and not stick to a racing line when his creative overtakes could be brought to the forefront. He won a couple of smaller karting series championships here and there, kind of ones that would only last a couple of months, but really cemented that he was one of the young stars in the junior series to pay attention to when he actually got into Formula 4 championship series in 2014. Um, That was his first attempt in a single-seater car. And he really caught eyes and comparisons actually to Lewis Hamilton when in his first year in a single seater, he won the championship. So Lewis did the same thing in F1, his rookie season, goes in and wins the championship. George wins the championship in his first single series, single seater series in Formula 4. Um, he moved from Formula 4 to GP3 to ART racing, um, which if you remember, that was Valtteri Bottas, Sebastian Vettel, Nico Rosberg. A lot of the F1 guys come up through ART racing. Um, He was racing against guys like Charles Leclerc, Antonio Giovinazzi, teammates with Jack Aitken, who's a current F2 driver, um, and Antoine Hubert, who who tragically passed, what was it, uh, two years ago or so. In GP3, he got seven podiums, four wins, which was enough to take the championship in the GP3 series and get him promoted to F2 the following year in 2018, where again, he won the championship battling along guys like Nick DeVry, uh, and even a younger Lando Norris. So, um, you know, F2, he had the most victories, most poles, most laps led. Um, and this was with reliability issues throughout the season, too. So his car wasn't great, but he was putting in awesome performances. Stop me if that sounds familiar. During this point of his career, he was catching eyes from, you know, going from GP3 in his first year winning the championship, moving into F2 winning the championship his first year. So, uh, you know, obviously eyes were starting to be cast upon him. Force India, shout out our boy Vijay. Uh, Vijay was heavily influenced by Toto Wolf to give him a shot in practice sessions in a Force India car. Um, did pretty well there. Obviously, there's not too much that you can really prove in a practice session. It's kind of like Roy Nassani right now going for Williams. It's like, yeah, he's you know, it's, it's awesome that he's there, but how much can we really gather from his from his practice sessions about his skill? And from there, we know the story. Uh, into 2019, he gets on the Williams team, the Rocket Williams team, alongside Robert Kubica, uh, the only driver in 2019 not to score a point on the grid. 
Um, 2020 gets a new teammate, Nicholas Latifi, who he is a pay driver, but he did get second place in F2. So another guy that, you know, he is a pay driver, but you do have to have some talent. That was his teammate. And ever since, I mean, he got into F1, points have just evaded him like the goddamn plague while he's been in a Williams car. Uh, just seems like he, even this season, it seems like he always gets so close, um, but something happens to where he's, things don't necessarily go his way. Speaking of things not going his way, we had last year, which was in 2020, the Secure Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton gets COVID. They're going to need some kind of backup driver. They have a backup driver, and I think Stoffel Van Dorn was the guy. Um, but for whatever reason, Toto Wolf and the powers that be, including Mercedes, say, actually, this is a perfect opportunity to let a young George Russell into a Mercedes car and see what he can really do in Sakir in Abu Dhabi. Um, he had the race in the bag basically twice, but for whatever reason, whatever conspiracy theory you want to drum up, there was a tire mix-up that had him have to pit twice. There was a puncture that finally snatched the victory from his grasp. He ended up getting into, I think, seventh place or so. Like, he got some points, but, um, the main thing, like, it, it was just, he said how gutted he was after the race. He was like, man, that was like my race to win. But, um, you know, I think the overall kind of silver lining, which was a big silver lining, was that, you know, GP3, he comes in and wins the first time he gets a shot. F2, he comes in and wins the first time he gets a shot. And then F1, the first time that he's in an actually fast car in the Mercedes, um, he shows that he can be a, you know, a race winner. And that's without the training, without the, you know, several different races before that to kind of figure out the car. He just showed that he had what it takes to, uh, to perform at that highest level and really give Lewis something to worry about if and when Mercedes does decide uh, to let them actually race next year. I feel like right now, as things stand, we're kind of the feeling of being in a doctor's office waiting room, just with like, you know, hope, hope and anticipation waiting for the announcement to come. Um, and when it does, which I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure just based off of Toto's rhetoric, it is going to be here soon uh man it, it'll just be so deserved the guy you know as christian horner said he's really served his apprenticeship being in a shittier car and, and still putting out so many good performances call him mr saturday for a reason he seems to always really outperform the uh capabilities of the car definitely outperforms his uh his teammate who i don't think he's ever lost out in a in a qualifying session to so uh, yeah, I think, like I said, we're just kind of waiting for that announcement to come, for him to get into the Mercedes seat. Um, we do have what is known as the Eaton Asphalt Bump, where it seems like whatever we talk about, things go well for that person. So who knows? We might uh, we might see, let's see, it's July 27th right now. We might see the George Russell announcement for the next couple of days here. So if it does, then all credit goes to Marco and Ian at the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's George Russell in a nutshell, kind of some some history, and and hopefully there's a lot more to write for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it, if he ends up not scoring a point, like, would he be the greatest driver not to score a point in Formula One history? I know he did for Mercedes, but like for his actual team. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's had more hype around himself than any other driver I could could imagine. So I mean, I think that would be cool to go down to as well. Is just be like, hey. I mean, I was beloved. Uh, did I score? No, but like everyone loved me. <laughs> it's like Ben Simmons, the best basketball player to not score a point in the fourth quarter. <laughs> exactly. Dude, yeah. I mean, like, and look at him, dude. He's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah. He got a couple yeah. million in the bank, I think. 
Uh, all right, yeah, that uh, that is an awesome background on old George. He is really definitely a man of the people. He seems like he's beloved by everyone. And uh, moving on to a very interesting story that we have about Juan Manuel Fangio. And you're probably sitting there listening to this pod really excited, but also saying, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and that is also what I thought before I started getting into this story. A little bit of background about the old man. He actually is currently dead, R.I.P., but he died in 1995 at the age of 84, so he's a, he was a pretty old guy. Uh, his record of five Formula One world titles, uh, which all happened in the 50s, stood until 2003 until one's own Michael Schumacher won his sixth world championship. So he has been uh, one of the most famous world-renowned drivers in the history, and so uh, this story actually takes place in the year 1958. Juan had just won his fifth world championship the year before, and the location is the Cuba Grand Prix, which in all accounts, if you're looking at this 1958, he was expected to win handily. Uh, he had been the quickest driver in the free practice session, and he was uh, the current driver of Maserati, which I would love to see a Maserati back on the grid. And he actually had won the previous year's uh, non-championship event in 1957. But the the day before the Cuba Grand Prix at the famous Lincoln Hotel, he was kidnapped at gunpoint on the eve of the race by two masked men affiliated with Fidel Castro's revolution. Uh, they ended up actually taking him, so it was a successful kidnapping, one for one for them. And they actually had a an obvious premise for taking him. They wanted to gain a ton of exposure to bring out the communistic revolution and embarrass the regime of Fulgenico Batista. By trying to, and their attempts was to cancel the race, Batista was very pro-American. Uh, they had no really good ties to th- overthrow him legally. And Batista's vision was he really wanted to, to make Havana kind of a Latina Las Vegas uh, obviously, Fidel Castro and communism, not a huge fan of that kind of stuff. So uh, they really wanted him out, and they thought by embarrassing him, by taking you know, the most famous driver in the world and kidnapping him, that uh, that would actually kind of you know, look tough on him. He actually, you know, they kept him overnight and released him a few hours after the race. In addition to Fangio's kidnapping, there was actually some uh, pretty bad tragedies actually on the grid itself. When a Cuban driver named Armando Garcia Cifuentes lost control of his car on an oil-slicked part of the street course, plowed into a crowd of onlookers. Seven people were killed. I believe there was up to 40 people that were injured. Initially, that there was speculation that Castro's followers actually sabotaged the course as well by coating it with oil, but it was later found out that a broken oil line in, in a car driven by Roberto Marietes caused the slick track spot. So overall, pretty pretty tough weekend for the Formula One world when you you know it's basically having a, someone like Lewis Hamilton kidnapped and then uh, someone just you know go off into the track, kill a bunch of people. We had some interesting quotes from that. Fangio's biggest rival was Sterling Moss, and actually there was a quote by Fangio that said it was a very disturbing night, but he also said you mustn't take Sterling because he's on his honeymoon, which was of course a lie, but nevertheless very decent of him, and that was a quote by Sterling Moss, so you know, even through thick and thin, I feel like that would be kind of a similar area if Lewis is taken and he says, hey, you know, don't take Max for stopping great guy he's got a lot going on for him right now and they obliged uh just something like that which is you know very uh very noble of him after the event and fangio was released 
it seemed like he developed a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome, where he basically was showing sympathy for the people who imprisoned him. Following the ordeal, he said, This is one more adventure. If what the rebels did was in good cause, then I, as an Argentine, accept it. So uh, he was seemed like he was pretty cool with the old kidnapping. I don't think that I've ever heard of any type of sporting event that had this type of replication uh, where you have a star athlete get kidnapped or something dire happen to them outside of the actual sport itself. Uh, following the success of the Cuban Revolution in 1959, which was a year later after this whole ordeal, motor racing has never returned to Cuba, largely due to the perception that it was too conformist to the newly formed communist state. It seems like, yeah, something like that isn't really what communism is about. So I haven't seen the F1 sport make its way back to Havana, and uh, I would say probably for good measure. But uh, I found that extremely wild to hear. I feel like this is just not something that happens often, even back in the past like that as well. So yeah, uh, that was the the crazy story of Juan Manuel Fangio. Nice. Imagine like, yeah, imagine Barcelona going to Madrid and instead of Barcelona and Madrid playing a game on the pitch, they just kidnapped Messi. They're just like, hey, yeah, let's and, just... And, and then they were like, let's continue with the game. Yeah. Like, no, no, you're going to stop and you're going to find this fucker. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Yeah. I, dude, the 50s are wild. Do you think you would, do you think you would like, survive and or thrive in the 1950s? Because I feel I like there fl- weren't like I would have flourished. I would have yeah. flourished. Yeah. I, I'd no, say I that too. I would have taken advantage of that for sure. Yeah, you'd be the guy. You would probably be the guy that kidnapped him. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. But not for like a deeper meaning. Just be like, hey, I bet I can get away with this. Like, watch this. No, for sure. And they would be like, I kidnap him, and then I'm like, the reason I kidnap him is in the back of my head. I was like, I'll never actually get a good chance for him to want to hang out with me. So if I kidnap him (laughs) and show him how cool I am, maybe he'll want to hang out with me more. And so that would be like something I would do. And with the Stockholm syndrome that he developed, it sounded like it might have worked. <laughs> like, honestly, you know what? Dude, he kidnapped yeah. me, but uh, it wasn't that I bad. I was doing okay. Yeah, guy. honestly, yeah. If he if he ever you know gives me a call back up, I, I wouldn't hesitate to answer. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I, I could I could see myself as you know I don't know if Cuba's like that. Maybe you know we take a little uh, F one trip down a, a little eating asphalt trip down Havana and you know check it out ourselves. Yeah, expense the whole trip. Send it to the oh. asphalt, uh, the, the HR. The corporate card. Oh, Use the corporate card. Corporate card, baby. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, that will do it for us at the Eaton Asphalt Podcast, episode 20, milestone episode, like I said before. Very exciting that we got here. Excited to uh, to continue. We will have a preview of the Hungaro Ring, the Hungry Grand Prix, coming up this weekend, later on in this week. But uh, until then, I think that's all we got for you right now. Marco, any last words? Yeah, appreciate uh, you guys listening. Excited for this last race before summer break. And, yeah, hopefully we can go out on a bang. Let's do it. Appreciate everybody for listening. See you, assholes. Uh, All right, see you, assholes. Benji, shut up. Hey! Going back to the pound.